Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. We can now give through text messaging if you want to do that. Um, so uh, technology is here and futures now. So uh, if, if you want to do that, um, there's some instructions on our Facebook page if you would like to do that. Uh, in order to do that in here, you probably would need to be logged into the, um, the Wi-Fi, which is DC Guest. And I think the password is DC Guest 01. Um, and so if you want to... Uh, Text your giving, which is all you'll, you'll simply uh, text your giving to the number 704-931-5809. That's 704-931-5809. We have instructions on our website if you look there under the giving. Um, what's been happening, if you've been an online giver, um, we have used a platform called Clover Donations. That's what we've been using for some time, and we're, tra- we're uh, changing the platform over to a new one called Clover Give. Now, if that conf- is confusing, it's, it's simply it's the same company, but they've now taken uh, what they were outsourcing, the kind of credit card stuff like that. They were outsourcing that to another company called BluePay, and so they've kind of brought that in-house. And so this is the same company that, that provides our service for our website as well. Um, so if you go to our website, which is destinycity.org, and if you go there, um, if you look up in the, uh, there's the, the tabs up there, and there's one that says give. Um, if you click on the one that says Clover Give, and it has like a little uh, uh, thing that says new next to it, that's the one you want to click on, because the other one we're going to uh, discontinue um, September 1st. So if you've been giving on the old platform, that's going to discontinue, so you need to sign up for the new one. Um, and if you've not given online before, uh, now's a great chance to sign up. And uh, what Pastor was talking about with having given units, this is a great, wa- a great way for us to quantize that, and it, it, it keeps everything in online and in, in, in a, a, a protected um, online service there that allows us to uh, see who all is giving, and, and, and you can also set up um, reoccurring giving. So you can actually link um, like a bank account if you wanted to and just have it automatically give once a month so you can just set it and forget it. So if, if, if that's appealing to you, awesome. If it's not, then just keep giving with checks and cash, however you want to give. Just give, give unto the Lord and, and you're going to be blessed. But I want to let you know about this new platform called Clover Give. It's what we're using and it also allows you to text in a give. I tried it this past week, and it was really easy. Uh, it, you just text what you want to give. I gave like, I did like 10 bucks, and, and, uh, and, it, and it sent me back a link to go and fill out, like, here's your information. And so it's all rather, it's all protected, and, um, and it's all uh, a very good, very good thing if you want to do it. So, um, cool. All right, that's all I got to say about that. That was my little commercial for there. There's, like I said, there's more instructions if you go to our Facebook page. Uh, there's also instructions on our website. So, um, <clears throat> so what I'm actually going to be talking about today, uh, we've been starting a series called Weapons of Our Warfare. And I'm going to be uh, preaching on uh, praise as our weapon. Okay? Praise as our weapon. So I have two stories to read to you this morning. They're from the Bible. I didn't make them up. 
Uh, and so, uh, but these stories, I feel, really kind of convey really what a lot of us are going through in the spirit, whether we realize it or not. Okay, how many know that there's a spirit realm? How many know that there's a spiritual battle that's going on constantly? And it's like, and you need to be aware of it. Because if you're unaware of it, you're going to, you're going to start blaming all your problems that you're facing on, on a lot of other things. You know, it's like, and you're going to go, you're going to try the psycholo- psychological path where you're trying to, you know, well, this happened to me when I was a child. And so now I'm experiencing this because of that and all that. And it's like, and I'm not like, I'm not totally discounting all that kind of stuff. But what I am saying is there is an enemy of your soul. His name is Satan, and he really does hate you, and you need to be aware of your enemy. If you're not aware of your enemy, then you're, it's easy to be attacked and then blame it on everything else. On the flip side of that, it's like I'm not one to like over-spiritualize everything and blame every problem on, on a demon behind every bush. I'm not one to do that. It's like because I know I, I got responsibility I need to take responsibility for my thoughts. I need to take responsibility for my actions. Sometimes the things that, that I'm experiencing are, are just a repercussion because of something that I sowed. You know, you, you will reap what you sow. So if I sowed something, it's like then there's, there's a chances that there's going to be, you know, something that I, I reap from that. So I have to sow good seed so I, you know, reap good fruit, a good harvest. And so does that make sense to everybody? Yeah. But once again... There are things that come in your life that, are, that you did not have anything to do with. It was just the enemy coming to attack you. All right? And it's like there is a, there's so many weapons in our arsenal, spiritually speaking. But I believe that praise is, is one of the greatest weapons that we have. And I want to talk about that, but I also want to teach you what the Bible uh, has expressed as, as praise. There are seven Hebrew words that we're going to talk about today that are uh, the expression of our praise, and, and that's what we're going, to, we're going to get to. So let's do it. You ready? Okay. Cool. All right. <laughs> I want to preface this message that I preached this message one time before. It wasn't the exact message, exact same message, but I preached this message in Mexico uh, many years ago, and there was a girl healed from cancer after this. Um, and the Lord was just doing mighty things, and it was just, um, I, I got to tangibly experience the, a pre- the presence of God to see just the manifestation of, of a, a healing in a young girl's life that had cancer. And, and, I, and it was totally the Lord. I mean, I, I don't, it, it was just amazing. I think I've, I've shared that before, but that was the message I was preaching on, and this is, this is it, but it's been adapted for today, so... Two stories this morning. First is Second Chronicles chapter 32. Sennacherib, I had to look that, that name up and actually get the tra- how you pronounce that. So I think I'm doing it right. Sennacherib um, threatens Jerusalem. After all that Hezekiah had so faithfully done. Everybody say, after all. Okay, so I, I was curious about that because I kind of started this from there, but I was curious, what had Hezekiah done? What did he do? And he, what he had done is he actually gone, he went through all of the kingdom and he, and he tore down all the false idols. And he really did his best to bring the kingdom 
back into line with what God had told them to do. That as the children of Israel, he, he went through and he was tearing down all the, all the high places that, that people had set up that were built to false idols. Like he just went and destroyed it. And so it's like, so he had, he, he, it said that he, was, he had done all this faithfully and he did it as unto the Lord. Okay, so just keep that in mind because we're going to talk about that. After all that Hezekiah has so faithfully done, say faithfully done. Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and invaded Judah. He laid siege to the fortified cities, thinking to conquer them for himself. When Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come and that he intended to wage war against Jerusalem, he consulted with his officials and military staff about blocking off the water from the springs outside the city, and they helped him. They gathered a large group of people who blocked all the springs and the streams that flowed through the land. Why should the king of Assyria come and find plenty of water, they said. Then he worked hard repairing all the broken sections of the wall, building towers on it. He built another wall outside that one and reinforced the terraces of the city of David. He also made large numbers of weapons and shields. This is a great, just a great picture of what you need to be aware of, that when the enemy attacks you, you don't just sit back. You don't just take it. And you don't just like start, you know, like, oh, God, I can't believe I'm going through all this. No, you, you got to take action. Amen. You have to build up the walls and fortify your city. Every one of you, you've got a fortified city around you that you've got to build up, and you have to keep out what the enemy is trying to bring in. You understand? Okay. Um, he appointed military officers over the people and assembled them before him in the square at the city gate and encouraged them with these words. This is Hezekiah encouraging the people. He said, be strong and courageous. Say, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria and the vast army with him. For there is a greater power. Say, greater power. Greater power. There's a greater power with us than with him. With him is only the arm of flesh. But with us is the Lord our God who helps us and fights our battles, says fights our battles. Isn't that awesome? Man, that's something to get excited about because it's like anytime you encounter an enemy, know this, it's that they're just fighting out of the flesh. Even the enemy fighting in the spirit realm, he's still doing things that are actively part of the flesh because he doesn't understand the things of the spirit. It's like, so we have something in, in God that the enemy does not have. One is just we have God. We have a relationship with the Lord, and he fights our battles for us. You have to understand that God loves to fight your battles for you. So many of us try to fight on our own. We try to, like, go, and we try to go about it at the flesh. You know, it's like I've, I've seen videos of people getting up, giving testimony, and it's like, and they, and they start, like, cussing out the devil, and it's like, you know, I get it. Maybe you're young in the Lord, and, that's, and I understand all that. It's, you know, but it's like the thing is, is that none of that affects the enemy. God affects the enemy. His power affects the enemy. And you can get mad at the devil. That, that's cool. That's fine. Whatever. You get mad at the devil. It's fine. You know, I would rather just get happy and joyous in the Lord. Because if you want to make the devil mad, get happy. I'm telling you, it's like, don't, if you, if, if you, if, if the enemy is attacking you and you start just, and you start playing into that, 
where you're just like, oh, God, I feel so attacked. Oh, I feel so attacked. If that's you, it's like, I want you to know that he loves that. <laughs> because, like, he, you're playing right into the trap that he set for you. What he hates is when, man, the enemy attacks you. And you're like, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. The enemy is attacking my finances. It's like, I know that, that God is able to provide all I need according to his riches and glory. He has riches and glory. He's the God who can make something out of nothing. There are, I've, I've heard stories of people that, that they've just found, they've been worshiping the Lord and being in the presence of God, and then all of a sudden there's like a gemstone lying on the ground. Now, I don't know what they did with it. I, don't, I haven't heard, but it's like, man, I'd be selling that thing on eBay. I tell you what, it's like you're paying off some debt and all kinds of good stuff. But God is the God of the impossible. With man, things are impossible. With God, nothing's impossible. He spoke this world into existence. Think about that. He spoke and it was done. He formed us out of the clay and he breathed life into us. What a, what a God we serve. What an amazing God we serve. The, the enemy can only try to perverse that and imitate that. That's all it is, is imitation. It's fake. It's fake. You know, I remember, back, I, I remember back when it was like, you know, Pepsi and Coca-Cola and all kind of stuff. And it's like, you know, they do the taste test. Which one is this? And basically, they're just trying to say the other one's the fake one. If it's Coca-Cola, they're like a Pepsi, they're the fake one. We're the real deal. We're the real thing. You know, Pepsi's like, oh, no, Coca-Cola, they're the fake ones. We're, we're the choice of this generation or something like that. And I want you to know it's like that, that in, if you find out what's real in God, it's so much better than the fake things that the enemy tries to make. You can give, you can give, you know, your wife, you can give her one or two things. You can give her a diamond that will cost you something. Or you can give her... Was a Rubik's zirconium that doesn't cost as much. And I'm not, if you did that, that's fine. I'm not putting you down, but I'm saying there's something that costs. It costs you. And, I'm, and I believe in the kingdom of God, it costs you something. It, don't get offended with me. Don't be offended. All right? I'm just pointing it out. It's like there's two things. There's always, there's always the real thing and there's always the fake thing. You know what I'm saying? When I was a kid, I used to be so excited. I'd, I'd be looking in creeks, and I'd find a gold nugget. Found gold. I stuck it rich. I'd bring it to my grandfather. He said, that's fool's gold. Man, he just called me a fool. <laughs> Messed up. Messed up, Grandpa. You could take that fool's gold. You could take it to a jeweler all you want to and ask them to turn it into something, but they won't because they can't. It's fake. It's not the real thing. But real gold is real gold. And fool's gold is just fool's gold. It's fake gold. All right, enough said there. Let me find out where we're at. All right. With him is the arm of flesh, but with us the Lord is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people gained confidence from what Hezekiah the king of Judah said. Later, when Sennacherib, king of Assyria, and all his forces were laying siege to Lachish, I'm hoping to say that right, he sent his officers to Jerusalem with, with this message for Hezekiah, king of Judah, and for all the people of Judah who were there. Okay, so here's the response because the king of Assyria, Sennacherib, had heard what Hezekiah said, trying to encourage his people. 
And so he sends his own message to them. Now, you need to be mindful of that because anytime you get an encouraging word from the Lord, you need to know the enemy is going to try to send in a word of discouragement to you. And it's a lie, but it sounds like the truth. But it's a lie. You have to understand what is truth, and you need to understand what is not. Because God's word is truth, and the enemy will lie to you. All right. This is what he said. That old vermin, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, says, On what are you basing your confidence that you remain in Jerusalem under siege? When Hezekiah says, the Lord our God will save us from the hand of the king of Syria, he is misleading you to let you die of hunger and thirst. Does that sound familiar to you? How many people have been in that situation where the enemy has told you almost the exact same thing in your life? It may be reworded slightly, but he uses the same tricks. Did not Hezekiah himself remove God's high places and altars, saying to to Judah and Jerusalem, you must worship before one altar and burn sacrifices on it? Well, that's a lie, because what Hezekiah did, he removed all the false idols, all the false altars, and he said, there's one God, worship him. Stop, trying, stop, even, stop playing around. Stop looking to all these other things. It's God. It's him alone. It's one God. It's not many ways to God. It's one. And you need to understand that there's one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto the Father except through me. And you have to understand that because the enemy is going to come to you and, said, and he's going to try to say, well, didn't, it's like there are things that you tore down in your life that you probably shouldn't have done because that was beneficial to you. No, it wasn't. Do you not know what I and my predecessors have done to all the peoples of the other lands? Here's the intimidation factor. Were the gods of those nations ever able to deliver their land from my hand? Who of the gods of these nations that my predecessors destroyed have been able to save his people from me? How then can your God deliver you from my hand? Now, do not let Hezekiah deceive you. Now, this whole letter is about deception. He's trying to deceive them. And yet he's saying, don't let them deceive you. Don't let Hezekiah deceive you. How crafty the enemy is. To come in and whisper these things in our life and say, don't let them, don't let them deceive you. Don't let them try to tell you that this is right when we say it's wrong. Let God be God and every man a liar. When God speaks, he speaks and every man is a liar. I don't care how eloquent they sound. If it's not truth, it's not truth. If it doesn't line up with God's word, it's not truth. Now, do not let Hezekiah deceive you and mislead you like this. Do not believe him, for no God of any nation or kingdom has ever been able to deliver his people from my hand, the hand of my predecessors. That's a lie, too. I mean, come on, let's talk about, let's just bring up Egypt. You know, we don't have to go back that far. You can remember Moses and Egypt. God, that that was was world-renowned. They knew about that. He knows about this. He knew about what happened in, in Egypt? How much less will your God deliver you from my hand? Sennacherib's officers spoke further against the Lord and against his servant Hezekiah. The king also wrote letters ridiculing the Lord, the God of Israel, and saying this against him. Just as the gods of the peoples of the other lands did not rescue their people from my hand, so the God of Hezekiah will not rescue his people from my hand. 
Then they called out in Hebrew to the people of Jerusalem who were on the wall to terrify them and make them afraid in order to capture the city. Isn't that interesting? They were calling them out in their own language. So the enemy knows your language. He knows Christianese just as well as you do. But he was doing it to try to terrify them, try to intimidate them. And he wants to do the same thing with you. He wants to intimidate you. He wants you to make you think that you're small. Or better yet, that God is small. That God's not able to do what he says he's, he can do. They spoke about the God of Jerusalem as they did about the gods of the other peoples of the world. Does that sound familiar too? The enemy wants to try to reduce our God to the other gods. Oh, they're all the same. No, they're all the same. He's not. Our God, Yahweh. He's the King of kings and he's the Lord of lords. They spoke about the God of Jerusalem as they did about the gods of the other peoples of the world, the work of human hands. Once again, it sounds so, so familiar. Wants to compare God as if to, to compare him to a man that he thinks like a man. I want you to know God is just, but God is good. He can be both just and good at the same time. And the world wants to try to compare him to a man. If he were a man, then he would think like a man. But he's not a man, he's God. Even though he's come in the flesh and has appeared before us as Jesus, his thoughts, his ways are higher than our ways. So he can see the, the beginning to the end. That's a big God. King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, cried out in prayer to heaven about this. And the Lord sent an angel who annihilated. Say annihilated. 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 Now that's, that's some big words there. Annihilated. Didn't, it's not like came and then, you know, ruined their party or, you know, they went crying, annihilated them. He annihilated all the fighting men and the commanders and officers in the camp of the Assyrian king. So he withdrew to his own land in disgrace. When God fights your battles, the enemy's got to go back to his own land in disgrace. And when he went into the temple of his God, some of his sons his own flesh and blood, cut him down with the sword. You need to think about this. The enemy, the author of confusion, the author of hate, the author of gossip, backbiting, every sinful thing you can think of, he's the author of it. The Bible is still true for Satan just like it is for us. If he sows these things, how much more will he reap these things in his own camp? So everything that the enemy's been trying to sow for years and years and years, he's also reaping what he sows. So what we have is a whole army that's disorganized, a whole army that's backbiting, a whole army. It just, it's like maybe they get get together for a little bit, but they will fall apart and then they got to regroup because they can't keep it together. Because everything that they sow, they reap. Does that make sense? You understand that? So the Lord saved Hezekiah and the people of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, king of Assyria, and from the hand of all the others. 
He took care of them on every side. Say every side. He took care of them on every side. All around. Many brought offerings to Jerusalem for the Lord and valuable gifts for Hezekiah, king of Judah. And then he was highly regarded by all the nations. That's a good story. I like that. Here's story number two. Second Chronicles 20. After this, say after this. So here's the story of Jehoshaphat. Now, after this, I looked that up too. What did Jehoshaphat did? He did the exact same thing that Hezekiah had just done, had did it in that story. He went and he tore down all the false idols. He set everything straight in the kingdom of God. He did all that the Lord had told him to do, had commanded to do. He went out and he purposefully did that. He got a word from the Lord and he went and he accomplished it. And it says, after this, say after this, the Moabites and Ammonites with some of the Meunites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom. From the other side of the Dead Sea, it is already in Hazazon Tamar, that is in Gedi. Hope I got that right. All right, alarmed. Everybody say alarmed. Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. Say inquire. And he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtside and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Our God did not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham. I'm sorry. Our God, did you not drive out the the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. Say, hear us and save us. But now, here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us, drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance? Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. All the men of Judah and their wives and their children and little ones stood there before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord, say the Spirit of the Lord, came upon Jehazel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite and descendant of Asaph. As he stood in the assembly, he said this, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours. Say, the battle's not yours. But God's. Say, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jerul. You will not have to fight this battle. Say, you will not have to fight this battle. 
Take up your position. Stand firm and see the, de- the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground and all the people of Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice, a very loud voice. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. As they went out ahead of the army saying, Give thanks to the Lord our God and King. His love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Saur, Saur, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Saur to destroy and annihilate them. Say, annihilate. After they finished slaughtering the men of Saur, they helped to destroy one another. I told you. What did I just say? The enemy can't, can't take it. When he comes up against the Lord, he starts turning on himself. They are a disorganized army. They might be coming to you organized, but they will flee disorganized. They might be coming towards you with swords and spears. They might be marching in line, but God has a better plan, and he's going to just totally confuse them. If, if you allow the, our God, the only true God, to fight your battles for you. You can fight it yourself. You can try. And it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. There's going to be lots of tears. There's going to be lots of sobbing. Cry, oh God, deliver me, please. Or you can just put your faith in God and rest in him and know he's going to fight that battle for you. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value, more than they could take away. See, there's a reward for those who trust in him. There was so much plunder, say so much plunder, That it took three days to collect it. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Baraka, where they praised the Lord. Say, praise the Lord. This is why it is called the valley of Baraka to this day. Then, led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully. Say, joyfully. To Jerusalem. For the Lord had given them calls to rejoice over their enemies. I want to point this out really quickly that this is before Christ. This is before the battle had been won, truly won. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lyres and trumpets. 
The fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms. Say the fear of God. God. Look what God is doing here. Not only does he destroy the enemies, but then he puts the fear of God in in everybody else. Because they allow God to fight the battle for them. The fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace for his God had given him rest on every side. Say rest on every side. How many want rest on every side? Then you need to learn how to praise. All right. First, from these two stories, I want you to think about this. One, it is usually after you begin to clean things up in your life and family that the enemy comes to wage war against you. It's usually only after the fact that you actually, Lord, I, all right, I, I got that word you told me. Yeah, let's get rid of that. Let's, do, let's, let's, let's annihilate this into my life. Okay, let's get rid of that. It's only after the fact that you are obedient to the Lord that you usually encounter the enemy at your door then. How many have experienced that? You did something the Lord told you to do, and then all of a sudden it was like, you look around, there's a vast army around you. The enemy's attacking your family. The enemy's attacking your finance. The enemy's attacking your health. Don't be surprised when that happens. Because when you do things according to the Lord, what he asks you to do, you're, you are now entering the battle zone. So don't be surprised. Say, don't be surprised. surprised. Say, I won't be surprised. surprised. See, if you're surprised, then you won't know how to to react. You won't know how to respond. If the enemy is constantly attacking you and you're constantly surprised by that, then you're going to be... How many have ever done that? Yeah. (laughs) You can be honest. I've been there myself, you know. It's like, oh, I was doing, you know, God, you just did something awesome in my life. It's like, and I'm, you know, I've been obedient. And all of a sudden it's like, you know, it's like all hell broke, broke loose. And all of a sudden I'm, you know, I'm like, like what happened? Said, but I've, I've become to be aware now of the enemy's schemes. Because the Bible tells us don't be aware, unaware. Don't be unaware of the devil's schemes. You, don't be unaware. He, he. He hates you. Just, just straight up, he hates you because you bear the image of God. That's why. If you need to know why, it's like, why does he hate me? It's because you bear God's image. You bear the image of the one who destroyed him. You bear the image of the one who has made a fool of him. Now, Satan is a very prideful being. He's very prideful, and so are every, everybody, every, every demonic force that's a part of him, and every human being that partakes in things that he, that he throws out as ideas. If you notice, they're very prideful people. Religious people can walk right in line with what the enemy does. I told you, he knows Christianese. Jesus was constantly calling out Pharisees. He, he gave Pharisees way harder of a time than he did the sinner. Because they were parading around in their robes and everything else and pretending to be true followers of God. But Jesus called them, you know, whitewashed tombs and called them a den of vipers. And I mean, he called them out, called them liars. He said, he called them at one time, he said, your father, the devil, your father, Satan. He called, he said, your dad is the devil. My dad is the Lord. (laughs) 
And that's going to, you know, that's really going to tick some people off when you call it, when you say, your dad's the devil. It's like, those are fighting words. Number two, the enemy always uses intimidation with the intent of striking fear into your heart. If the, if the enemy can get you living in fear, if you're living in fear, you're not living in faith. So that's the tactic. That's what you need to know. If you're living in fear, you're not living in faith. You should write that down because that's good. Because like, if you are constantly on the run, if you're constantly afraid of the next move that the enemy is going to do, you're not speaking by faith, first of all. You're speaking out of fear. Okay, this bad thing happened to me, and then you start talking about the next bad thing that's probably going to happen to you. Well, you just spoke that thing out of fear, out of faith, ironically. You spoke fear into the realm of faith. Because you said, I believe this is going to happen to me next because this happened to me now. But I want you to, so we got to reverse that. We got to change that, right? When the enemy comes to us, we got to start speaking out of faith. Okay, this is happening now. I'm not pretending like it doesn't happen. That's not happening. But one, God is going to deliver me. And two, God's going to work it out for my favor. Because that's the promise that we do have. It's not that you will not encounter hard times, but whatever hard time you encounter, God's going to turn it around and work it towards your favor. All right? How many believe that? You should believe it. It's true. So number three, our God is greater, our God is stronger, our God is fearless, and our God always wins every battle. Let me say it again. Our God is greater, our God is stronger, our God is fearless, and our God always wins every battle. This, number four, the secret is that I think I misspelled this, but there's a typo here. The secret is that there is no war waging between God and Satan. That war, the war is between God's children and the armies of darkness, the armies of the enemy. Because Jesus won the war with the finished work of the cross. The the war's already been won. When, When Jesus hung on a cross and he had been... And he had been stabbed inside with the spear. It's like it, it, he bore our sins. It says, cursed is any man who hangs on a cross. He became a curse for us. Because, see, the enemy thought, the enemy didn't believe he was who he was. Or he wouldn't have killed him. But when he killed him and put him in the ground, and after three days he rose again, the battle was won. Death was defeated. Satan was defeated. Every enemy in your life was defeated and made a fool. Made a fool. So Jesus is hanging on the cross and, and he dies and he says, it is finished. It's done. The work is done. The work of the cross is complete. My job here is done. The, the war is over. There's no, there is no more fighting in the heavens it's just simply fighting for your soul. The, the battle is for you. Because you are precious. You are precious in God's sight. You are the object. You are the prize that the enemy wants. And how you think and how you respond to the enemy will determine the outcome of the battle in your particular life. But I want you to know that the war has been won. 
Do you believe that? We need to believe, we have to understand that the battle is won, or we're going to constantly be asking God to please fight, to please do this as if he hasn't already done it. Now, in your individual life, you're going to experience trials and tribulations. You're going to experience battles that you have to fight in the spirit. But the, bat, the war has already been finished. It's already done, okay, through what Jesus did. So we, that means we have the victory now. The victory is now. So we declare out of faith that the victory is mine. And the Bible says it this way. Victory is mine, says the Lord. See, the battle is won by the Lord. He does it for us. He fights our battles. He loves to fight our battles. All right, number five. He loves to fight on our behalf. And he makes all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them that are called, that, for them who are the called according to his purpose. Say, I am the called. He has called you for his purpose. So he will work all things out for your benefit. Because he loves you. Amen? Amen. All right. I had to get through that fast because I wanted to get through this. So I apologize if it was too fast. But How to praise. Okay, so there are seven Hebrew words for how to praise. You see, and, and, and when we praise... See, when you praise God, you are literally expressing by faith that the battle is the Lord's and he's going to fight all my battles for me. And he's going to win because you're simply, you're just like in the presence of God while the battle is raging. I had a dream when I was in Mexico one time and it was, it was so vivid. It's like, and I was up in this castle and it was this high castle and there, the walls are way up. And I remember there, all this commotion was outside and I and I, I went out to this, this uh, awning out there. Uh, and, I mean, th- these walls were like 100 feet tall. And I looked down, and, and down below was this army. And they were, they were yelling up to me, and, and they were trying to get me to basically come down and fight. And, and, and I'm getting really ticked off. Like, I'm looking for stuff to throw. Like, I'm, you know, it's like, I'm... <laughs> And I'm like, where's everybody at, too? You know, like, I'm, I was like, in my dream, I was just by myself. And, and I felt a tap on my shoulder. And I, and I turned around. I love the way the Lord just kind of uses our, you know, uh, just however he wants to appear in a dream is how, it, how he appears. Well, I, I remember I turned around and this, and I, I remember looking, and I don't remember the face exactly, but I just, it was this person, they, and they basically motioned me to come with them. And, and we went into this room that was, at the center of this castle. And, and the castle at the, at the same time was being surrounded by this vast army and they're, and they're trying to throw arrows up at us and, you know, all kinds of stuff. But I just got this tap on the shoulder and we, we walk in and, and, we, and I'm walking down these, these narrow hallways and, we, and, we, and, I, open, and I remember I opened up a door and there was, it was just this room with like, had like kind of torches lit and stuff like that. And, and this is going to sound funny, but um, uh, Tom Petty was there and... <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I, and I sat there, and, and I knew it was the Lord. I knew it was the Lord. It's like I, I, in my dream, I knew this was the Lord. And we sat there, and we sang, and we sang, we sang songs. Of, uh, it, was, it was Jesus singing as Tom Petty, and it was really. And I just had this peace, and it's like, and, and, and so 
I remember like we finished this kind of worship, praise and worship session. And I'm feeling good. I, and I come out and it's like, and I look down and this army is just being annihilated by forces of, of the Lord. I mean, the angels are coming and just destroying these, all these things. And it was, it was a really cool dream. And it just reminded me that in the secret place, in those places where I get to, if I can just be in the presence of God, if I can keep that and keep that peace and that peace that surpasses all my understanding. It's like my understanding was to go out there and try to fight this thing. You know, I was ready to get a sword. It's like how, because they're like, they're blaspheming God. And they were just, and they were like, you know, they were making fun of my mama, my dad, my, you know, my, my family. You know, I was ready to fight. It's like, but it's like, don't let the enemy taunt you into a fight. But just go and put, and, and get into the secret room. Get into that quiet place and allow the Lord, you know, to... Appear to you, however, you know, Tom Petty or Roy Orbison, I don't care. What a, you know, uh, <laughs> maybe it's, I don't know, Al Green, I, who knows? It's like, um, but it, just that piece. Okay, so how to praise. Let's talk about that. Um, the first one, the first word is yada. So everybody say yada. yada. And yada is to worship with the extended hand. And it's the giving of, in worship and adoration to lift your hands unto the Lord. And it carries the meaning of absolute surrender as a young child does to a parent, as if to say, pick me up, I'm all yours. I, you know, my daughter just turned one years old, so I got to talk about her, but she is just such a, just a doll. And it's like, I love it when she, when she looks up at me and just, puts her hands up, you know, because she want, it, it signifies that she wants me, you know. It would probably hurt my feelings if every time I went to her, you know, and, and I'm there, and, and she's just like, <laughs> now, sometimes she does that, and it's kind of, it is kind of fun, like, if I'm, if Jess is holding her, and she's with her mom, I'm like, I'm like, Josie, Josie, and she's, and she's just with her mom, and, she, and I'm like, I just want to make eye contact at least, and she's all, she's all, <laughs> looking every other direction and stuff. And um, but when she wants to be with me and wants to, and she just has her hands up, man, it just, I'm, I'm just all in, you know. I want to, I pick her up and hold her, and it's like, and that's really what your heavenly Father wants from you. Amen. That, and that's why we do it. I, I feel like if you just understand why we do what we do then it gives you permission to do it. Because some of you have been taught, maybe from whatever background you come from, that, you know, that, that true worship is just, you know, like, it's, like the more constipated you look, that's the more reverent you are. And it's like, that's not what God desires in your, for us not true worship. That's just religion. Because religion is going to try to keep you in a place where, you know, you're constantly trying to find God. But faith in God, a relationship with the Lord knows that he's ever present. I've really tried to, like, train our worship team to, let's stop praying, God, come. come bring your, but rather, Lord, we acknowledge your presence because your presence is here. You are here. Because you said you would never leave me. You would never forsake me. And he holds that promise true every time. 
He has never left my side. Maybe I've turned my head, you know, and he's speaking to me, Jeremy, Jeremy, you know. But it's like if I can just train myself to in the presence of God to be aware and just to say, Lord, pick me up. Hold me. Hold me. He wants to hold you. Let's just practice that real quick. Everybody just put your hands up in the air and just, Father, we just submit to you. We surrender. We say, Father, just hold us. We love you so much. We bless you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Um, all right. Uh, yada. Um, it, it, literally, to use, it means to hold out the hand. It, it's physically to throw, especially to revere or worship with extended hands. Intensively to bemoan, to bemoan with the ringing of hands. So it's just like, it's, it's, it's just... It's very, praise is violent, all right? It's a violent expression unto God. It's not timid. That's why we are not people who are timid. The Bible says you are not of those who are timid, who, who pull back, but you are of those who always press forward. It's that we are not timid. We, as a Christian, as a believer, a true believer, you, uh, he's not called you to be timid. The enemy wants you to think that, that like somehow yet you can excuse it, but there's really no excuse. If there's, t- if there's timidness, timid, being timid means to be afraid. And if you're afraid, you're not walking out of faith. And I'm not saying this to, you know, to make you feel bad. I'm just telling you this so you'll, you'll, you'll know how to fix that. I, you know, I'm going to point out Beth. Uh, man, she, she used to be so timid. But... God has been doing such an amazing work. I said, I mean, this, this, past, this, this past week, like she, asked, she sent me this message saying, hey, can we do this song? And it was that song, that last song we did, Throne Room. And it's by Kim Walker. And if you don't know who Kim Walker is, she's a praise and worship leader who has this amazing voice. I mean, it's like it's from another planet altogether. And she can sing way down low and, you know, or super high. And, and, and her, her volume is 11. It just, there's... <laughs> You know, she's just a powerhouse. And so, you know, Beth asked if she could do that song. And I was like, well, something's up. It's like, because, you know, she would never have asked to do this before. So, yeah, let's try it. You know, so I'm here early trying to figure out this part and stuff like that and, and make it sound as close as we could. And so, man, like, I, just to see someone who used to be timid coming out of that. And the only way for, for her to do that was to say, look at, look at all her timidness and fear and just look it right in the face and say, you know what? I don't care what you say, devil. I don't care what you do. I'm going to do what the Lord tells me to do. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to shout. I'm going to sing. I'm going to give him glory. Yada and praise. Lift my hands to him and say how I am surrendering myself to him. It is to list the ways that I am surrendering to him. Be diligent, be disciplined, be specific. Take the discipline and say to the Lord how I am surrendering to him. With my hands uplifted, surrendered to God, spirit, soul, and body, totally commit myself to the, to the Father. I mean, it is a sign of surrender, is it not? I mean, like, it, you, you put your hands up to say, like, I surrender. There's my, you know, here's my weapon. I, 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 my defenses are all down. Just take me. I'm good. But the Lord's not coming at you with a gun. He's not, he's not coming at you as, you know, like, like, hands up. It's not like that. It's just he's coming at you as a father. 
And I love that expression better of like, here I am, daddy, pick me up. You know? It's like when Josie puts her hands up, it's like, I, much pre- I prefer that right now than, than if she were to like, you know, get up and, and stand up. And for me, I just want to just pick her up. You know, if she's standing and she puts her hands up, then, I, then I'm ready to pick her up. And that's what our Father wants to do for you. He wants to pick you up. So you need to know this, that, see, everything in praise is reciprocal. So, like, I give to the Lord, and he just, he just gives it right back. And so it's just as beneficial for you. The Father loves it. He loves the adoration and praise. And it says that he inhabits the praises of his people. All right. So how many want to live in the presence of God? All right. Then it requires you to surrender to the presence of God. Okay. Where are we at? Here's the scriptures to back that up. First uh, Timothy 2.8. Therefore, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. That's an important thing to add on to that. Okay. Because if you are like... Because, you know, daddy doesn't want, you know, daddy doesn't want you like, you know, oh God, like I love you so much, but I can't stand him. You know, I can't stand this guy. You know, it's like, ah, I can't believe what that person did to me. Ah, you know, it's like your focus is now no longer on the Lord, but it's on, you know, what so-and-so did or said to you. And it's like without wrath, without dissension. So you got to clear those things up. It's important that you clear those things up. And I want to encourage you, it's like that if you would live in a place of intimacy with the Father, if you would live there and be constantly aware of it, you know, not just Sunday morning, but like, you know, Sunday through Sunday, that you would constantly live in that place where you are acknowledging the presence of God, that you are aware that He is present at all times, then it will begin to change the atmosphere that you're in. Okay? Uh, Let's... Okay, so Nehemiah 8.6, Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. Then they bowed low and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Deuteronomy 32.40, Indeed, I lift up my, head, my hand to heaven and, and say, as I live forever. Psalm 63.4, I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. Psalm 28, 2, hear the voice of my supplications when I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands toward your holy sanctuary. Psalm 141, 2, may my prayer be counted as incense before you, the lifting up of my hands as the evening offering. Did you know that praise has a smell to it? It's a sweet smell when it's, when it's genuine, when it's true. When you lift up your hands to the Lord, it's like a fragrant offering unto the Lord. How many like good smells? Yeah, I like good smells too. That's why, like, we, I mean, we got, Jess goes out and buys all kinds of air fresheners and candles. And, you know, in my house, we're constantly spraying that stuff. So, and so, so, so you just lift up your hands to the Lord. It's like a sweet incense, a sweet perfume. And that's what I want. I want a sweet fragrance into the Lord. I don't want to stink. I don't want to stink in the presence of the Lord. I want to smell good. So wear deodorant and lift your hands. Psalm 134.2, lift up your hands to the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Come on, let's do it one more time. Lift up your hands to the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord this morning. Come on. Lord, we bless you, Father. We thank you, Father. 
You're good. You're faithful. We bless your name. Bless you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Number two, Tehillah. I knew some of it. <laughs> if it helps you remember it, then go ahead. Tahila. Tahila, to sing, to laud. A spontaneous new song, singing from a melody in your heart by adding words to it. This refers to a special kind of singing. It is singing unprepared, unrehearsed songs. So sometimes, like, you know, in worship, we may just do that. And I encourage you to do that at home. You know, just take some time. Lord, I mean, just, it doesn't have to sound, it, the Lord doesn't care of your own pitch. He doesn't. I mean, it's, he's not looking for the greatest of singers. You know, I, and, and maybe he, ha, and the Lord is, is the God of all technology, the God of creation. I, um, I've been working on recording myself, and I use this thing called a vocoder. And what it does, it'll take your voice and it'll make it electronic. So as long as I hold down the key, I'll be constantly singing in key even if I'm not. All right? So it's like, and it might just make it like one note or something. It's like, like, blast, that. So if you're worried about your tone being off, don't worry. God has abilities to make that sound beautiful. All right? <laughs> just sing loud. Just do it. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. Just do it. Do it unto the Lord. All right? Uh, and it means to just to sing spontaneously, to make up a song. Just make it up unto the Lord. It's like maybe just open up your Bible in the morning and just start singing the verse. Make up a song and then sing that the rest of the week. That'll be more beneficial for you probably than trying to like memorize everything. It's like or trying to get through like three or four. I mean, if you've been doing the you know, systematic three or four chapters a day, continue doing that. But maybe take at least a section of that and like one verse that stands out to you and just make it into a song and start singing that and sing it unto the Lord. And you'll find that it's very beneficial to you. And, and, uh, or maybe it's just not even a Bible verse at all. Maybe it's just something you just sing to the Lord. You just make it up on the spot. You know? I mean, when we do that on Sunday morning, it's like it's, 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 it's spontaneous. That's why we do it, because we're trying to obey the, the word of the Lord. Okay? So that's, if you understand why we do what we do, then you'll be more apt to get engaged in what we do. Does that make sense? Yeah? Because okay, I want you to throw off all the religion. Just throw it off. Just cast it off. All the, all the stuff that people have been telling you that this is what it looks like. If, it doesn't, if they don't have a Bible verse to back that up, it drives me nuts when people make a big deal about certain instruments in the, in the, in the church. Especially drums. Because it's like, and we're going to get to that in a little bit. But I mean, the Psalms says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. It talks about make it being loud. It talks about banging the cymbals. It talks about, you know, banging, uh, you know, banging all the drums and stuff like that. So it's there. So I don't know what your beef is with it. Yeah. I don't understand it. I've never understood that. So, all right. Rabbit trail there. Okay. Let's keep going. <clears throat> Tehillah. Uh, it means, Tehillah means bring tremendous unity. It brings tremendous unity to the body of Christ. Singing straight to God. It can move into Hila anytime. Singing it the second time would be Zamar. And that is the praise that God inhabits. He sits, sits enthroned on, and, and we'll get to that. 
Tehillah is a laudation, specifically a hymn, praise, a song, or a hymn of praise. Scriptures for this are Acts 25, uh, 16, 25, but about midnight, as Paul and Silas were praying and singing to God while the prisoners listened. So Paul and Silas were in prison, and they began singing unto the Lord. They had been tortured. Their situation was not good, but they began praising God. If you finish the story, you find out that God created an earthquake and freedom from their prison. See, God inhabits the praises of his people. And when God inhabits the praises of his people, miracles happen. All right. Um, Psalm 22, wait, yeah, I'm sorry, Colossians 3.16. Let the word of the Messiah inhabit you richly with wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, and singing to God with thankfulness in your hearts. Everybody say thankfulness. See, I believe the, the very praise starts with being thankful. Like, if you aren't thankful for what God has done in your life, you're going to have a hard time praising God. But if you are thankful, if you start there, so whatever, if you come in, it's like, I know it, I get it. We're, it's Sunday morning, it's 1030, you know, and it's like, maybe you come in, it's been a hard week. Maybe you came in, you know, you, you know you, the kids were driving you crazy on the way here, and you're just, you know, you're just upset about what, you know, somebody cut you off, you know, on the road or whatever. It's like, but... If you will just get in and just be like, God, thank you. Thank you for getting me here, first of all. Thank you. Thank you for my family. Thank you for the family of God. Just begin listing off things. Write out a list of things you're thankful for and keep it with you at all times. And then if you start to get unthankful, pull it out and start going down. Here's what I'm thankful for. Because if you get into thankfulness, if you're thankful, then it, just, it, it will just ease the way into praise. All right? Here we go. Uh, Psalm 22, 3. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabits the praises of Israel. I've heard another version says he inhabits the praises of his people. So he inhabits your praises. So praise is so vital to your relationship with God because he dwells, he lives in your praises. He comes and it's like, an, it's just, you become aware of God when you praise him. You'll, be, you'll find that you'll be more aware and more in tune with God when you learn how to properly praise him. Right. Number three, Barak. Everybody say Barak. Barak. All right. You ought to be familiar with that, with that word by now. <laughs> you don't, Barak. <laughs> Barak, it means to kneel or to bow, to give reverence to God as an act of adoration. It implies the continual conscious giving place to God, blessing the Lord, extolling virtue. There is a sense of kneeling and blessing God as an act of adoration in the word Barak. Physical application, to bow, kneel, or to do this with the, the intent in my heart so that he is my king and I yield to him. I am acknowledging him as king and God. Scripture, 103, uh, Psalm 103 tells us how to bless the Lord and then goes on to enumerate those blessings. His loving, I'm, I'm blessing the Lord for his loving kindness, satisfaction and redemption, honor, renewal. We bless the Lord by remembering all these things. So feel free to bow at any time. We're not bowing to any man or anything. We're bowing to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's why we bow. 
So if you are in the middle of worship and you feel so led just to get on your knees and just bow, then do so. Know that you have freedom to do that here, okay? I, don't, I mean, if it's all the way down, it ain't going to bother me. It ain't going to bother me one bit. And I don't know anybody else that's really going to bother either. And if it does, yeah, it's too bad. Uh, Barak, it means to kneel by implication to bless the Lord. So it, it is an act of blessing the Lord when we kneel. All right. Uh, scriptures, uh, one, Psalm 103, 1 through 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not. Say forget not. Forget all his benefits. Okay. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. Now that's a list of, being, of things to be thankful for. So if you can't think of anything, use that. Write it down, put it in your pocket and just pull it out. Oh man, that just reminds me of how he, re- he renews my youth like the eagles. He crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies. Man, what a list of things he's done for us. Daniel 16. When Daniel learned what the written document had, had been signed, he went upstairs to his room in his house and had the windows open facing Jerusalem. Three times a day he would kneel down, pray, and give thanks to his God just as he has, previ- just as he has previously done. Now here's a situation where Daniel had been told by the king there that you're not going to do this anymore. But we have a higher law. All right, there's the laws of the land and there's a higher law of God that supersedes. So if, if you know, whoever one day says like, you can no longer praise God, you can no longer praise the name of Jesus. Now I'm gonna praise him all that much louder. If he says that you can't bow to him, I will bow to my God because you cannot set a law in place that will keep me from that because his laws are higher. All right, so here we go. Let's keep going. Uh, Genesis 17.3, Abram bowed down with his face to the ground, and God said to him. Genesis 18.2, and he, Abram, lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself to the ground. Genesis 24.52, when Abraham's servant heard their words, he bowed to the ground before the Lord. So there's your scripture reference. If anyone tries to say, why do you bow? Then just bring them to those. This is why. All right. Number four, halal. Halal, uh, to be clear of sound, um, but usually of color, to shine, hence to make a show, to boast, and thus to be clamorous, to be foolish, to rave, uh, to celebrate. So these are the things that halal means. It means to, to be just undignified in the presence of God, in the presence of anybody else. It's basically to say, I don't care what you think. This is not for you. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not for you. So don't be, don't be worried about what your neighbor thinks because it's not for them. It's for him. Barak, uh, I'm sorry. Let's keep going here. Where am I at? Hello, thank you. Trying to get through this. Coming to the end here. Choo-choo train. Trying to stay on the tracks and not go off. All right. It means to boast, to celebrate, commend. All right. So it's like I'm boasting. I, my, I boast in the Lord. 
My boast is in him. It's in Christ alone that I put my I trust and that I will brag about who God is. I will boast about who Christ is. If you want to know, if there's anything in me that's boastworthy, it's Christ. That's the only thing. It's him. It's Jesus Christ. All right. I like that it means to shine. Uh, to shine God's favor. That there's just a glow just naturally. I'm not even intending necessarily. I'm not even purposefully, you know, I didn't even necessarily realize sometimes that I'm praising God when I'm just walking in the favor of God. That I just shine forth the favor of God. And, they, and, and the world sees, look at the favor on that person. Look how good God has been to that person. And then you acknowledge it, man. It's just a shine. It's like, let me tell you who did it. Let me tell you how this happened in my life. It's, how, it's the goodness of God in my life. When we acknowledge the Lord in these situations, how good he's been. It's to shine. We shine forth. It means to praise, to boast, to be boastful, to, be, to make a fool of, to act madly, to act like a madman. All right? Now, King David, he acted like a madman. It's like the, he was bringing in the Ark of the Covenant and he's bringing it in, and, he, and he, he started dancing before it. He started just getting crazy, getting wild. He got so crazy, he lost his clothes in the middle of it. He was just dancing before the Lord with all his might. He's like, it's hot. Ah, Got to get this off. Ah, hot, hot. He's like slinging that. You know, he's doing all that kind of stuff. And it's like, and his wife saw it, and his wife is, and later on, she's standing up. She's too dignified to do this. She should have been out there, too. She should have been about right there with them, you know? We'll leave it there. All right, so she later on, she's like, she's like, you know, look, how you made a fool of yourself. And in front of all these girls, too, showing off your body. Who do you think you are? And his response was right here. He said, 2 Samuel 6.22, I, King David... Will become even more undignified than this. Say more undignified than this. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But, but by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. Because they understood. They were praising God with them. They knew what the presence of God meant. It meant blessing in their life. It meant a turnaround in the nation. It meant that, that God was going to do great and mighty things because the presence of God... The tangible presence of God was in the Ark of the Covenant, and they were bringing it back into the city. And they were so excited about that. They didn't care what anybody thought. They were just dancing before the Lord. But you have David's wife up there in the, look at this. Yeah, taking his clothes off. Who does he think he is? It's like, I don't know the accent. (laughs) She could be Southern. You never know. (laughs) David, I don't know what you think you're doing. Making a fool of yourself is what you're doing. So he understood that, halal, he understood that just to make a fool of himself, to become more undignified than this. So become undignified. Do it. If you so feel led to act like a fool, do it in the presence of God. Get these banners and do that. You know, 
find a place. If, if it's, I don't care if it's karate kicking. If, you're, if that's your praise, get over there in the corner in the back, though. You know, I don't want you to get kicking anybody. But, like, find a place and just do what the Lord's told you to do. And do it with all your might. Bow before the Lord. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Lift your hands unto the Lord. Bow down. Dance before the Lord. You see, this one includes dance because, you know, it's like when you dance, you're going to make a fool of yourself. How many have ever been to a wedding reception? I'm not a dancer, but at a wedding, I'm a dancer. It looked, it's like we're, you know, we're. It's just, it's stupid. It's, it's so stupid. We look, we look stupid. Me and my wife, we make fools of ourselves. And I'll make a fool of myself here on the stage. I'll, you know, just, I just want to jump and dance and everything else. And I just wish everybody here would do it with me. Because if, if everybody's acting a fool, then it's easier for you to act like a fool. I went to a Charlotte Hornets game and everybody there is acting like a fool, especially this guy next to me. And he's like, woo! It's like, so I'm like, I'm, I'm here at a game. It's like, tickets are free. Woo! Every time they hit a shot, I'm like, woo! I didn't even care. I didn't care who won. That, the team won, which is cool, but I would have been content just to make a fool of myself because I was having so much fun. I don't even know. I didn't ever get the guy's name. It didn't matter. We, we looked at each other's eyes and we knew. He's like, yeah, I like you. I was like, you too, man. I think we did fist bump at one point. I was like, I don't even like to do that, but I'll do it for this guy. It's cool. We made a fool of ourselves at this Charlotte Hornets game. So how much more can we make a fool of ourselves at Destiny City Church on a weekly basis? Yeah? We really ought to have more fun than the world. We really need to. Because you can go to any club any night of the week and they're just acting a fool. There's a song. There are songs called Act, Act a Fool. I wrote a song called Act a Fool and it wasn't that. It was a good one too. And I go and I play it and it's like, and I, it'd be a whole room full of people just singing, I'd act a fool in the presence of 10,000 eyes. Thank you. I'm, and I'm like, I'm, it's Jehovah Sneaky. Because all these people, they're in there, and they don't even know they're singing about the Lord. I'm like, ha ha! And we acted a fool. It was good. It was, it was so good. It's like, but I'm not even trying to hide it here. All right? I'm not even trying to, like, we don't even, I don't need to, like, you know, try to sneak it in. It's like, we ought to just know you can act a fool in this place. And it's Okay. Because I'm not doing it for you or you or you or you or for myself. I'm doing it for him. All right, I got to wrap this up because my brother's going to get mad. Um, gosh. Oh, boy. Toda. Ready? Say Toda. To give worship, all right, if you have kids, then if you need to go get your kids, if you, if you sense it in the spirit, like my kid's acting up right now, I got to go get them. Go get your kid. Go get them out of children's church. This is being recorded. You can watch it. Okay, I just want to say that. All right, here we go. Toda, to give worship by the extension of the hand in adoration or agreeing with what has been done 
or will be. The word commonly found in connection with sacrifice, applying the giving of thanks or praise as a sacrifice before uh, reception or manifestation. Thanking God for something that I don't have in the natural. Agreeing with his word. Faith in his word. This form of praise goes in operation just, just because his word is true. Father, I thank you that your word is true. Everybody say, I thank your word's true. As we raise our hearts and hands in praise to the Lord, it involves a sacrifice, especially if one is very sick in the body. The carnal mind would fight and ridicule this particular action. But there is great faith in Todah's praise. The lifting of the hand symbolizes agreement. The right hand, hold up your right hand, symbolizes my covenant with my father. Through the scriptures, God is seen extending his right hand to his people of promise. That's the covenant. When he extends his right hand to me, he's saying, all that I am is yours. And when I extend my right hand to him, I'm saying, all that I am is yours. And I agree with what you're saying. The attitude for Tadai is, I'm thanking God. I'm agreeing with God that it is as he says. He says you are healed. He says you are blessed. He says you are children of promise. This is what he says to you. Example, Father, I thank you that I am healed. I come into agreement with it. I'm raising my hand to say yes. It's the right hand. Scriptures, Psalm 42, 4. These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Isaiah 23, 11. He stretched out his hand over the sea. He has made kingdoms shake. I'm coming into agreement with that. Shake the kingdoms, God. Matthew 8, 3. So he stretched out his hand. And touch them with the words I do choose. Be cleansed. And his leprosy was cleansed at once. Luke 5.13. So he stretched out his hand and touched him with the words I do choose. Be cleansed. And the leprosy at once left him. Todah. <laughs> Todah. It's a confession. It's praise. Thanks. It's thanking God as a confession of faith. I'm agreeing, God, that everything you said is true. It's confession, praise. Give praise to God. Thanksgiving is songs of liturgical worship, a hymn of praise, a Thanksgiving choir or procession, a thank offering, a sacrifice of Thanksgiving, a confession. It's a confession, Todah. Number six, Zamar. Say Zamar. This means to sing with instruments, to make music accompanied by the voice. One of the musical verbs for praise in the book of Psalms, it carries the idea of making music in praise to God, Psalm 92.1. The word zamar also means to touch the strings and refers to praise that involves instrumental worship in Psalm 150. The word is usually translated sing praises. Zamar, striking with the fingers, to touch the strings are part of musical instruments. All right. Everybody understand that one? Good. Scripture 92.1. It is good to praise or zamar the Lord and make music to your name almost high. It's good when we do this. 
Psalm 150, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens, praise him for his acts of power, praise him for his surpassing greatness, praise him with the sound of the trumpet, praise him with the harp and lyre, praise him with the timbrel and dancing, praise him with the strings and pipe, praise him with the clash of cymbals, praise him with the resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Last one, Shabbat, say Shabbat. It is to address in a loud tone, a loud adoration. It's a shout of praise. With a loud voice, unashamed, the glory, triumph, power, mercy, love of God. This word implies that testimony is praise. I'm I'm shouting my testimony. God's been good to me. He's so good to me. The phrase, shout unto the Lord can be understood with the action of Shabbat. It is not just about being loud. You should have the attitude of putting your whole being into it. An attitude of being totally uninhibited. Psalm 47.1, the chief musician. A psalm for the sons of Korah. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. You got to put everything you got in it. Let's close with a big old Shabbat unto God. Stand to your feet. On the count of three, we're just going to say, we praise you, God. We praise you, God. One, two, three. We praise you, God. We praise you, Lord. Come on. Hallelujah. Bless your name, Lord. Bless you, Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Bless your name. You are worthy of praise. Worthy of honor. Worthy of glory. Worthy of power. Worthy is your name. You are worthy. 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 We bless your name, Lord. You are worthy of praise. Worthy, Lord. Worthy. Worthy, Lord. Worthy. 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 Hallelujah, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Jesus. Bless you, Lord. We got to go because the children need to be dismissed, okay? If you have anything, listen, it's like, here's the dismissal thing. Just pray to God. You've been listening to Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.